If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to open them this morning with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning. We've spent the last six weeks or so in Isaiah chapter 9, gazing at the glories of Jesus Christ. Soon we'll return to the message of Zechariah, where we were before our time in Isaiah 9. But this morning, it's January 1st, this first day of 2023. And while there's nothing biblically significant about today, about January 1st, 2023, there is something about it that affects us, right? It's a new year. It's a brand new start, a fresh start, a year that's full of possibility. And so each year when we turn the page of the calendar and we turn the page of the year, I like to seize the opportunity to challenge not only my own heart, but to challenge all of our hearts with a message of of new beginnings, so to speak. And so in years past, I've preached from that great passage in Philippians 3 where Paul says, forgetting what is behind and, and striving forward to what's ahead. I preached on Psalm 1, what we've looked at earlier, that overarching song for all of our lives, blessed is the man. And this year we turn to Proverbs chapter 1, to set our hearts on what we ought to pursue. This is a message really that could be appropriate for any Lord's Day, but I think it's particularly appropriate for the first Lord's Day of a new year as we set the priorities, as we think ahead to what this year might hold. And so I encourage you to listen. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand this morning as we traditionally do for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Listen as I read. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. I want to begin our time this morning in God's Word with one word. It's the word Google. The word Google. Before the year 2000, we rarely used that word, if ever at all. Can't remember using the word Google. Now the word represents the information overload of our modern world. An age that we've talked about has come to be known as the information age. Consider these statistics about Google, the search engine, the search for information. In 1998, 
There are about 10,000 searches for information on Google per day. In 1999, one year later, that number had jumped from 10,000 a day to 3.5 million per day. In 2012, that number jumped to 3.3 billion searches for information on Google every day. That translates to 38,000 searches per second. And then this year, 2022, 8.5 billion searches on Google a day, which roughly is 99,000 searches every second. Pretty amazing. We are inundated and overloaded with information. Information that's available not just on our computer screens at home, sitting on our desks or at our office, but in our very pockets. Right? It used to be when I was a kid that we would have these 20 volume Encyclopedia Britannicas, right? That we would look at, at the library, we'd check them out. Maybe some of us had those at home. No longer do we have 20 volume Encyclopedia Britannicas, which seemingly told us everything we needed to know about the world. Now the popular online encyclopedia, Wikipedia, if it were made into a book, it would be over 2.5 million pages long. I don't know how many encyclopedias that is, but that's quite a few volumes. We love information. We love facts at our fingertips. But here's the thing. More information in our world has not been the answer to our problems. Nor will it ever be the answer to our problems. And in fact, one of the things we need to consider as we think about the inundation of information in our lives is the fact that the Apostle Paul says that there is such a knowledge that puffs up. Right? That is counterproductive. We don't need more information. We don't need more education. Education's great, and sometimes it is needed. But holding up information and education as if that is the answer, it's not. No, we need to know how to use that information. We need to know how to apply that information. And that's what this passage is about. That's what this passage reminds us this morning. And so there's just two points, two truths that I want to make briefly from this passage this morning as we start the new year 2023. The first point is this. We don't need more information. We need wisdom. We don't need more information. We need wisdom. There's a key word that frames not only these first verses, but this book as a whole. It's the word wisdom. The Hebrew word chukmah. What is wisdom? What is real wisdom? What is biblical wisdom? And, and who precisely needs it? Who is it for? Well, let me begin by stating what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not merely intelligence. 
It's not merely knowing things, though that may be part of it. And wisdom is not up to us alone. It's not something that we alone attain. We're going to talk more about our role in it, but it's ultimately something that God gives. Right? The most famous recipient of wisdom for us as Christians, for us as believers, was who? Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. 1 Kings 4.29 says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. And now Solomon, the author, the compiler of these Proverbs, imparts some of that wisdom to us, to the people of Israel, and to us, we who are God's people today. And as he does that, he uses not only the word chukmah, But he uses several words that when we bring them together, they provide this full picture of what wisdom is about. And so I just want to look at four things that Solomon gives here in these opening verses. Four words. And the first one is that word chukmah, wisdom, which also can be translated as skill. That's exactly how that word, that Hebrew word, is translated in Exodus 35, 35, when Moses speaks of the construction of the temple. He says this, he, that is God, has filled them with skill, with chukmah, to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and it goes on and on. The point is that wisdom is a skill. It's something that needs to be learned, something that needs to be acquired. And so a life of wisdom, first of all, is one that pursues learning the skill of living. But there's another word Solomon used. It's the Hebrew word musar. Can be also translated discipline. We might say, as I've heard it said, that the man who would master life must master himself. Have you ever heard that phrase? The life of wisdom not only is a life of learning, but the life of wisdom takes discipline. It's not a life where we just let go and let God, it's a discipline of learning. So we have skill, we have discipline. And there's another Hebrew word Solomon introduces in this passage called uh, the Hebrew word orma, which can be translated as craftiness. It's the same word used in Genesis 3.1 to describe the serpent. It's the kind of wisdom that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 10. I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Skill, discipline, craftiness. And then in our passage we see this this trio of words in righteousness, justice, and equity. Well, what do those words tell us about the character of wisdom? They tell us that wisdom has an ethical quality to it. Right? Wisdom is 
It's not neutral. Wisdom is one of the good guys. Wisdom here is true wisdom. Life as God intended life to be lived. And therefore, wisdom is the right life. So we bring all these things together, and we might say this. Wisdom is a life of acquired skill, a life of discipline, a life of discernment and care, a life of godly character. It's a life that requires, if those things are indeed true as Solomon fleshes them out, it's a life that requires intentionality. It's not just going to fall into your lap. But who exactly needs it? Well, Solomon addresses that as well. The book was written to his son, a young man, verse 8 tells us that in the, in the book, but his reach far, goes far beyond a father and a son. Four categories of characters are given in these opening verses. We have the simple, the naive, those who are easily misled, they need wisdom. We have the young, those who are inexperienced in life, they need wisdom. We have the fool, those who are opposed to God, they certainly need wisdom. And then, verse 5, we have the wise. Those called to increase and grow and deepen in their understanding. So what's the bottom line on who needs wisdom, on who needs to walk in this path? Everybody's covered. We all need it. Whether we're already wise in some respects, whether we're simple, young, or a fool, we all need wisdom. We need to acknowledge that we don't have it figured out. Which leads us to the second truth. Wisdom begins and ends with the Lord. Wisdom begins and ends with the Lord. We can think of a lot of modern-day proverbs. You finish the parallel statement, don't judge a book by its cover. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Right? Those are all modern Proverbs, modern aphorisms. We also have ancient Proverbs, wisdom literature from the Egyptian kings before Abraham, councils of wisdom from 1500 BC. There's lots of wisdom literature. Proverbs are nothing new in the ancient world. Now, words of wisdom are in abundance, and God has given common grace even to the ungodly. And yet, as Isaiah 29.14 states, the wisdom of the wise will perish. I started with the word Google. Let me give you another two words. Common sense. Where did common sense go? I mean, we live in a world, it seems to me, that's increasingly nonsensical and foolish. The wisdom of our day is, is not so wise, even though Proverbs and ancient wisdom has been around for a long time. True wisdom 
must have a solid foundation. Verse 7 makes this clear. It all begins with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's a phrase that the writer bookends this first section of nine chapters with where he writes in chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins and ends with the Lord. Practical, earthy, real-world wisdom is built on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. So if we all need wisdom in an age of information, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, it begins with this. The fear of the Lord begins with a deep-seated reverence and awe. I remember as a young kid growing up in the church being confused what it meant to fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord, kids, is not being afraid of God. It's recognizing who God is. It's honoring Him and revering Him. Isaiah 8.13, But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear. It's a fear that makes you feel small. That makes you feel humble. C.S. Lewis once wrote this. I think I've read this quote to you before. In God, you come up against something which in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people, and of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see anything that is above you. And so fear of the Lord begins with a deep humility, a deep reverence and awe for who He is. But even more than that, the fear of the Lord is also found commonly in the, in the Old Testament referring to not just the recognition of Yahweh, but loyalty to His covenant. To the relationship that He has set up between God, between Himself and His people. In other words, it's not just recognizing who He is from a distance, from afar, but it has to do with relationship with Him. It's why when the pagans were converted to Israel's God, they were then called God-fearers. Psalm 33:18 Behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his steadfast love Ecclesiastes 12:13 The end of the matter all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments and so you take these two aspects of what it means to fear the Lord reverence and awe and relationship and where do they lead you they lead you to one place they lead you to the person of Jesus the one who was pointed to in shadowy form in the Old Testament, the one whom we have just exalted and meditated on for the past several weeks. Matthew 12, 42, Jesus said to his disciples, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, that's speaking of the queen of Sheba, who came up from Egypt to hear of this renowned wisdom in the king of Israel in the days of Solomon. 
And Jesus says now, behold, something greater than Solomon is here. He was speaking of himself, which is why Paul says in Colossians 2, Christ in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like what? Like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And Jesus' own brother says in James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask. Ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Pretty straightforward passage this morning. We need more than information. We need wisdom. And we all need wisdom. Not some of us, but we all need wisdom. And that wisdom begins and ends with the Lord. And so the point is, the takeaway is, we can't do anything as we start this new year without fixing our eyes anew on Jesus. He must be the foundation for everything that we are about this year and every year, all of our days. We press in to know Him, to be with Him, to hear from Him. If we're abiding with Him, then any sort of crisis that comes our way, any sort of conflict that arises, we recognize and we remember that God is God, that Jesus is on the throne, that He is reigning over you and loving you and interceding on your behalf, that you are His beloved child, that you are not an orphan, that you are not alone. You see, the way of folly, it's stuck in the here and now. It's a slave to the circumstances around us. It's a slave to the evening news. And what does this result in? Well, it results in arrogance and anger and frustration, even panic. Or the thought that we have to fix something. We have to fix it all. It's all on us. We need Jesus, the Prince of Peace, as we spoke about last week, the fountain of all knowledge. We need to humble ourselves before Him. We need to learn from Him and receive His wisdom. So here's the challenge out of this passage, out of this subject of wisdom. In addition to prioritizing the Lord's Day, you're here, first Sunday of 2023, good for you. But in addition to prioritizing the Lord's Day, which I don't want to minimize, this is important, being together, sitting under His Word, fellowshipping with one another, eating at the table. But in addition to these means, what other ways might you Intentionally pursue wisdom this year. Intentionally pursue Jesus this year. Are there things that that you need to, to say no to? 
Are there things as you evaluate your days and your hours and your time that are just leading you down a path of distraction? Or worse yet, leading you into sin? Are there priorities that you need to adjust in your lives? Are there spiritual disciplines that you need to grow in, that you've become lax in? I'm asking you questions that I've asked myself as I've come to the end of the year, as I think about my own life, as I think about my own failures of 2022, as I look forward to a better 2023, not so that God will love me more. He loves me as much more than I can even imagine. But so that I can walk in the way of wisdom. So that I can be who He wants me to be. So I've had to ask these questions of my own life and make adjustments. I'm still in the midst of making adjustments. But my challenge to you here on this first day of the new year is to do your own evaluation to do your own asking of what this looks like in your life. John Murray, the great theologian who I've quoted before, has a great quote where he says, the fear of God is the soul of godliness. The fear of God is the soul of godliness. My prayer for myself, for us as a church, is that 20 23 would be a year where we as a people become a more deeply rooted, wise people. And that being deeply rooted and wise would translate into us being used however he sees fit for his glory and for our good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the wisdom from your servant Solomon, wisdom that you, Holy Spirit, inspired him to give. And Father, we confess that we, in our pride, think at times that we we are wise, that we know all there is to know. While we might know a lot of stuff, while we might have knowledge at our fingertips, Father, we need to grow in wisdom. And so I pray that you would show us the way. Holy Spirit, take these words and apply them in the lives of these believers in a very personal, individual way. Father, we lean, even as we challenge our own hearts and our own lives, we lean on the fact this morning that we are not in the business of cleaning ourselves up so that we might be more acceptable in your sight. Father, you love us, and you accept us, and we are yours. We just simply want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in your wisdom. We want to walk in the fear of the Lord that you call us to. And so I pray that you would guide us. Guide us, our great Jehovah. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.